I am honored to be introducing Reverend Patrick Harbula today as our guest presenter. As noted in our announcements, Reverend Patrick is no stranger to Edmonton, and he loves our city and province and all of you. Reverend Patrick has been a spiritual leader, counselor, and coach for over 30 years and reaches hundreds of thousands with his writing and personal and media appearances. Patrick is author of The Magic of the Soul, Applying Spiritual Power to Daily Living, which is being used as an elective course for Science of Mind training as part of the 200 series through CSL, and there are some copies in the back. He's also got um, an audio, an audiobook, um, and it plugs right in. It's really cool. He is founder of the Living Purpose Institute and creator of the Life Coaching Certification Program and the Primal Fire Intensive. He was ordained as an independent religious science minister by the late Dr. Earl Barnum in 1985 and affiliated with CSL in 2010. He trained in spiritual psychology under the late Dr. Vivian King. He's also ordained and recognized as a Doctor of Divinity through Spiritual Unity Movement, of which he was the president for 12 years. He founded Meditation Magazine, and he was formerly a director for Sage Publications, a world-renowned social science publisher. Patrick will be available after the service to sign his book. Letting spirit move through him this morning and improvising, please welcome Reverend Dr. Patrick Harbula. Mitch, give him a big hand. Oh, I love doing that. What a great way to start. And I fall in love this morning, by the way, with the music of Katie. Is she phenomenal? Give her some more love. So I'm so excited to be here. As I said in the first service, I posted on my Facebook last night that, um, that this is one of my favorite venues to come to. What I didn't post is that, because I didn't want to offend other venues, that it's actually my all-time favorite. So don't tell, you know, don't let it out. So I'm so glad to be back, and um, I love Laura, and I love Reverend Patrick, and did you know, by the way, hardly anyone knows this, 
And I, and I do consider myself your surrogate, Patrick, you know, when he's away. <laughs> Did you know that Patrick Cameron and I were born on the same day, on the same year? October 11th, 1956, and I just gave both of our ages away. <laughs> but he doesn't care any more than I do. So I see some of you doing the math. So <laughs> 60 years, exactly. Uh, going on 61. So I decided, had a great time doing the first service. The, the title for my talk was the um, New Thought versus New Age, the Difference Between the Two. And I had a great time, and everyone loved it, and got great feedback, but I just decided, and I often do this, I don't like to say the same thing twice in one day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I just decided, I want to just speak from my heart. And so, I've never done this before, but I have no idea what I'm going to say to you in the next few moments. Well, maybe a little bit of an idea. So we'll see how it flows. I think I'm going to start with a joke. So, three guys out for a game of golf on a Sunday afternoon. You, um, so the first guy steps up to the tee, probably heard of him, his name is Moses. Anyone hear, ever hear of Moses? Okay. So Moses has been really getting serious about his game of golf. He's really focusing, he's really concentrating. And so he steps up and he takes a couple very measured practice swings. He lets it go and the ball goes flying out toward the green and it's going way far, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall short before the, the green, before the trap, which is a big lake. And so Moses just steps out, it's rolling towards the lake, he raises up his club, the waters part, the ball goes through, lands on the green about 20 feet from the cup. So the second guy comes up, so he steps up to the tee, you probably heard of him too, his name is Jesus, anyone here? This guy named Jesus. So Jesus comes up and he is also taking this game very seriously and so he's practicing and he's getting ready and he lets it go and it's going even farther than Moses' ball but it's going to land in the lake and so Jesus steps up, he raises up his hand, the ball stops about six inches from the surface of the lake and just hovers there. And so Jesus just casually walks out upon the water, taps the ball into the green about 10 feet from the cup. Third guy steps up, and this guy's different from the first two. He's not uh, concentrating at all. He seems to, he's laughing and joking around, just having a good time, doesn't seem at all focused or serious, and he walks up to the tee, doesn't even take a practice swing, just takes a one-handed swipe at the ball, and it just goes, it slices. If it goes that way, does it slice? Or that's a hook, I guess. So it hooks off. And, and it bounces off the roof of this caddyshack and goes over the fence onto the freeway. And it's ricocheting between cars. It hits this semi-truck and it bounces back over the fence onto the roof. It rolls down the roof into the drain gutter, down the drain gutter to the drain pipe, down onto the fairway. It's rolling toward that same lake. It hits a rock. It bounces up. It lands on a lily pad. A frog comes up, grabs the ball in its mouth. Just then an eagle swoops down, snatches up the frog. The frog screams out of fright. The, the ball drops out of its mouth straight down into the cup. And Moses turns to Jesus and says, God, I hate playing with your dad. <laughs> so the moral of the story is that when we are in a place of joy, when we are having fun, when we are speaking extraneously, I can't even say that word, and, and not from notes or PowerPoint slides, <laughs> then we are at our best. Then we get, when we are in an experience of joy, 
then the results are always better than when we are over-focused. Not to say we can't have focus and be in joy, right? It's really a balance. So since I've been up here, and I, and I have a lot of clients up here actually, coaching clients, and I've been hearing quite a bit uh, about the economy up here. Has uh, anyone experienced a, a downturn in economy in Alberta at all, in any way, shape, or form? Okay. So, and, I, you know, we're religious scientists, so we don't put a whole lot of power into that, right? And yet, in subtle ways, it can still f- affect us. You know, we hear it around us all the time up here, right? You know, when we had our, our recession in the United States in 2008, it was really, and that was a big one. Um, you probably remember that, and it probably affected you guys up here to some degree. So, you know, the headlines on the paper, we're in a recession. And I really knew instantly, as did many of us in this teaching, that if the following day the headlines would have come out, or a week later, or whenever it would have come out, and said, recession over, it would have been over, right? Because everyone has said, oh, good, now I can go out and start spending money again, right? But because we were all in the consciousness of, oh, we, we better be careful with our money now because there isn't as much of it. <laughs> and the money didn't go anywhere. There's always this same amount in circulation, right? People just stop spending. And of course, we absolutely know that when we are free with our money, and by the way, in the book, uh, Busting Loose from the Money Game, upon which the workshop I'm doing later is based, Robert Scheinfeld says, the only purpose for any financial transaction of any kind, any exchange of money, is the exchange or the expression of appreciation. That money is actually an illusion. It doesn't even exist at the level of truth. All, what does exist is the archetype behind it, which is appreciation. We wouldn't give money to anyone unless we were getting something that we appreciate, right? It's how in our society we show appreciation. And so if we remember that, so I, you know, I translate the word money whenever I hear it to appreciation. I would never say I don't have enough appreciation, right, to go around or there isn't enough appreciation to go around. It's infinite. And it's an inside out job, isn't it? So, so what happened for me is I didn't buy into the recession. I just thought, my business is going to continue to expand. There's no reason it, it shouldn't. And so I, uh, and, it, and it did. My, uh, my business actually was expanding in the recession. And did you know, by the way, that in 2009, in our country, there were more millionaires made than in any other time in history? Interesting, isn't it? So how did that happen when the vast majority of people were in recession mode, in recession consciousness, um, more people than ever before said, how can I thrive in this economy? How can I thrive? And so my business expanded. And then all of a sudden, a funny thing happened. So I had a whole bunch of gigs um, scheduled to go speak at Centers for Spiritual Living. And then I started getting emails or calls saying, oh, we can't have you come and speak because we don't have enough money. That's centers for spiritual living, right? And well, I think we were still called churches of religious science at that time, or some other name. Um, so all of a sudden, my, some of my work started disappearing. I said, well, wow, maybe this is affecting me. <laughs> and so I started to think, oh gosh, what? Um, I started to buy in to 
uh, this recession consciousness. And then it took me, I'm going to say a few weeks, maybe a month, to dispel that, to come back to the truth. And as soon as I did, then my, uh, my business continued, started to expand again. And it was an extremely pro- prosperous time for me, even though I wasn't going out and doing speakings because the senders thought they didn't have enough money to pay me to come. But the really odd thing about that is that whenever I go to a center and we do a workshop uh, after the service, usually the, the, the center gets more money than what they pay me, right? So, but somehow, many of the centers got pulled into this recession consciousness and thought, oh, we don't have enough. So it can get, it can affect us all. And yet we know and we tell ourselves over and over that it's all a matter of consciousness. So back to the joke or the message of the joke. I like to make things really simple. And so here is the, the, sim, the, sim, the simplest expression that I have parsed down or parsed out as the emphasis or the truth of our teaching. That when I am living from an inner experience of freedom, joy, abundance, everything else works out. Again, Robert Scheinfeld in, our, in Busting Loose in the Money Game says this. When we get to the place in consciousness where we realize it's no better to have a million dollars than it is to owe a million dollars, then we will have the consciousness to create anything we want with a snap of our fingers. Now, in a way, that's kind of illogical, right? And it's kind of radical. It's no better to have a million dollars than owe a million dollars? That doesn't make any logical sense. And yet, intuitively, if you go beyond logic, which is where the truth is, by the way, because our logic cannot explain spirit, our logic cannot explain the truth of who we are, because our logic is all based on our perception of the world, and our perceptions are simply showing us the illusion or the reflection of a greater truth, right? So if we go beyond that, the illusion, and into the truth, um, go beyond the logical mind, we can intuitively feel that as truth, right? When I realize that no situation in the world of form that one situation is not better than the other, then I am in the place of ultimate power. You see, because if I'm saying that this situation is better than that situation, I'm very subtly saying that the world of form has control over how I feel inside, which is an outside-in game, right? But as we know, it is the truth is an inside-out game. So when I recognize that if no situation is better than another situation. And not to say I can't still have preferences, but if I have attachment to one situation being better than the other, then I'm saying the world of form has power over my inner experience. But when I recognize that everything is perfect in the world of form, that the only thing that's really important is how I feel inside, then it's the inside out game. Then I am demonstrating, telling my subconscious mind that my inner experience is all powerful and that that's all that matters. Even in spiritual mind treatment, we often 
even though the point of spiritual mind treatment is to get to a place of consciousness where I already have the feeling of what I may want, we tend to forget that. We tend to do what I call a one-eyed open meditation or, or prayer. So, you know, I'm focused and I'm speaking the truth about my abundance and, and my abundance is overflowing and, and I've got one eye flickering just to see if my uh, bank account has changed <laughs> while I'm doing it, right? I'm looking for confirmation in the world of form. And here's where we get stuck, you know, is, is we look for results, right? And when I'm looking for results, I'm not trusting and therefore I'm actually cutting off the power of my spiritual mind treatment. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm, I'm in the truth, and, and I have people do this after, you know, when I'm a practitioner after a center in my home-based church in Simi Valley, um, I'll have people do, <laughs> we'll do a spiritual mind treatment, and people will say, oh, you know, but, you know, but what about this, and, and, or can I say something more about it, and the answer is no, we just pray, just, just be in the spirit of the truth and trust. That's the whole point of the end of the spiritual mind treatment. I turn it over to spirit knowing it's done. There's no reason to think about it anymore because it's done. You know, I was watching a great mo- movie the other night and I, got it, I bought it because I have a friend whose mother had a stroke and I reflected back on this movie and I thought, this would be really good for my friend, so I bought it. Anyone ever see the movie uh, Resurrection with Ellen Burstyn? You saw that? It was from 1980. Uh, I got it on Amazon for, for 10 bucks. You can actually even see it on YouTube, but it's a really horrible resolution. Um, but it's so powerful because it's a true, true story about a woman who's a healer. And, um, and she, she was in this horrible car accident that left, left her paralyzed. And she had a near-death experience, which they visually show you know, in the show. It's really cool. And then she, um, and she's in a coma for a while, and then she wakes up, and she heals herself from being paralyzed and then discovers kind of by accident that she has these healing powers and that she puts her hands on people and they and they heal and she was um, successful like 70% of the time and they they did experiments with her and she just did amazing the kind of stories in the in the bible that Jesus did Um, and so really and actually my teacher Dr. Earl Barnum knew her, knew the real life healer that was, uh, the movie was based on. But in one scene, she's healing this woman who had uh, a severed spine. And the woman had not walked in years. She's laying in a bed. She couldn't even sit up. And so she did her healing. And the woman, and, and you know, the woman was smiling and she no longer had pain. And she said, come on, you can sit up. And the woman sat up. She said, you can get off the table. She, encur- she was encouraging her. You can, cu- you can get off the table now. She got off the table. She said, you can walk. She didn't have any doubt, right? She was absolutely certain. In the way that I experienced Emma Curtis Thompson, in the kind of spiritual mind treatment that she would do, she didn't like think at the end of it, you know, I hope this kind of works, <laughs> right? She knew with without a shadow of a doubt that the healing had occurred. Now, sometimes there's a lag in between the truth and the manifestation. And where we get caught up, again, is when we look for the results and we say, oh, it hasn't happened yet, it didn't work. And so by proclaiming that it didn't work, we have now added a new affirmation on top of our original affirmation that it doesn't work. Ernest Holmes says in The Science of Mind, 
that when we say it didn't work, we are actually proving that it does work because it's not working and it is, it is demonstrating our, our spoken word. Yes. So that's the power of doubt. <laughs> we manifest what we don't want when we're in doubt. We manifest what we do want when we're in absolute trust. <sighs> Let's take a deep breath into absolute trust. So another piece to this is what I call radical gratitude. Um, sometimes I like to, to throw this metaphor out. Have you ever had the experience where you give a gift to someone and they light up like the sun with gratitude? Isn't that the best feeling in the world to be the recipient of that kind of gratitude? Don't you want to give that person more stuff because it feels so good to receive that gratitude? Well, guess what? The universal presence feels the same way. The more we say yes to our good, the more the universal presence wants to throw more good upon us. And that's regular gratitude. What radical gratitude is when we say yes to what we don't like, when we embrace those situations that challenge us in our life. Isn't that the most inspiring thing? There's so many YouTubes that I've seen or TED Talks where you have people that have been, um, that are paralyzed or have, you know, extremely challenging physical ailments that they deal with on a daily basis and yet they are still in a state of gratitude. They have found a way. There's a really interesting YouTube. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, but this guy talks about what, uh, I think it's the, uh, the science of happiness. And he says that, um, and he's got a lot of research to back this up. And, and so he says, let's see if I can remember this. I wasn't planning on saying this as I wasn't planning on saying any of this. So, um, so he says that, he puts this question out. Would you rather um, win the lottery, win $20 million, or would you rather have an accident and be paralyzed for life? Pretty kind of easy question to answer, right? And, but he's got evidence and proof that shows that ultimately there's no difference in the two experiences in terms of how happy you will be as time goes on. So you interview people that have had both those experiences and the person who, um, who won the lottery is no happier, no more joyful than they were 10 years after than before. In fact, as you know, many stories of people who lose all their money, right? Because they didn't have the consciousness for it. And people who have been paralyzed for life 10 years later, not only are not any less happy or joyful than they were 10 years earlier, but they often say, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. There must be some that don't. But he had countless um, examples of people who had horrendous experiences that all said, another example was um, Pete Best from the Beatles, right? Who was, you know, uh, kicked out of the Beatles and then they, as a drummer, and they brought Ringo Starr in. And he says, looking back on his life, if he had been with the Beatles, it, that would have been the worst thing that could have happened to him. <laughs> that what did happen and the life that emerged out of that experience was the perfect thing for him. Right? So isn't that the most inspiring thing when you see someone who has a tremendous challenge 
and they embrace it and see the good in it. See, as I say in the magic of soul, look for the magic in, in every experience. And as conscious beings, we always look back on those challenging things in our life and, and we say, oh, now I can see in retrospect how that was a blessing, right? How much I grew from that. But in the moment, we, do we see the blessing? We often are resisting the experience, right? So the encouragement of this teaching of the magic of the soul then is to, is to, is to invite the blessing in the here and now rather than waiting to see it later. And so what's the magic in this experience? What's the opportunity for growth? What is the, the sacredness that wants to unfold from this? And as I said in the sur- first service, we often in, in our teaching, and it's shifted a lot, but we still have remnants of this, when, where we think, when something happens that we don't like, we think, what was the wrong consciousness that attracted this into my life? Anyone ever have that experience, right? Or worse yet, when somebody says to you, what was the wrong consciousness that created this experience you're having? That instantly makes you feel better, not. Um, the better question to ask is, what is the greater freedom, joy, or love that wants to emerge from this experience? Doesn't that feel better? Hmm, so, when we are open to the gift, I, I, I like to share, I've probably shared this story before, this example, can't remember her name, the actress that played Christy in, uh, in Three's Company? Suzanne Summers. okay. Known for Three's Company and uh, Thighmaster, right? <laughs> so, um, so when in, we had some fires about a decade ago in, in Malibu, uh, near where I live, and hers was one of the houses that burned the ground. And so they were interviewing, asking her, standing in front of the smoldering ashes of her home, how do you feel right now? And she, the first words out of her mouth is, I know something good will come from this. Feel the power in that? You know something good had to come from it. Something good would have come from it anyway, but she had to be able to access that good a lot sooner because she was open to it, because she was expecting it. You know, our teaching used to be primarily focused on how to manifest what you want, and I think where it's shifting, I think the more enlightened perspective and most important perspective is what I talk about in The Magic of the Soul, which is appreciating what we have, embracing not only what brings us obvious joy, but those experiences that challenge us the most. You know, in the book I talk about my own physical illness, chronic illness that um, took me years to to heal. There were times when I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. And it was in the middle of writing the book that this occurred. And the book was originally about how to manifest what you want, the magic of the soul. And what it became was how to appreciate what you have, right? Because what occurred to me after resisting my symptoms for a long time and having no diagnosis, having no... Um, evidence of healing whatsoever is I finally surrendered, I finally gave up, not in an apathetic way, but in a surrendering way, and said, you know, if I'm to die from this, which is what seemed to be um, the direction it was going, I'm going to use the experience of dying to understand who I am as a sacred being at the deepest level possible. And guess what happened? Started to heal. 
So what happens when we are embracing everything is then we no longer have attachments to results because we realize it, it affirms again that all that's really important is how we feel inside. And the Busting Loose from the Money Game by Robert Scheinfeld is a perfect extension of the magic of the soul. I always, I, I encourage people to read my book and then Robert Scheinfeld because, you know, they're, they're one and two, the, the two best books that I know of. <laughs> Guess which, which one's number one. <laughs> um, it's all a matter of what we feel inside. If all we do is nurture that inner experience of freedom and joy, everything else works out. And there's so many, I have like a, 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 close to a million quotes about, from all of our most relevant spiritual teachers that we tend to quote. So uh, about this subject. So Byron Katie says, Love everything. Any Byron Katie fans? Okay, so Byron Katie says, love everything. Love every experience that comes to you. And she means it. If I had more time, I'd give you so many examples that she, she talks about. She also says, I don't argue with reality because I'm a spiritual person. I don't argue with reality because it hurts. <laughs> and I never win that argument, ever. Not once, Right? Eckhart Tolle says, give up resistance to what is. Um, August Gold in New York wrote a book called The Prayer Chest. And she says, invite everything, invite every experience. Pam Grout, any Pam Grout fans? Pam Grout says in, in E Cubed, the sequel to E Squared, when we realize that whatever's happening in this moment is the perfect thing to happen in this moment, then we are become aligned with the FP, she calls it, the field of potential. Universal power, which is all about love, which is all about abundance, which knows nothing of lack, which knows nothing of difficulty. And the, so the secret is simply embracing everything, recognizing everything is perfect just the way it is, which the Buddha said too. Although I went, to, uh, uh, I went to look up the exact quote and, um, and I came to a site and it had a picture of the Buddha and it said, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, and it had a list of all the quotes attributed to him that he apparently didn't say. But I like to believe he did say this anyway, at least to one, one disciple. So what he purportedly said is, when we finally realize everything is perfect just the way it is, and you can do this with me, we will tilt our head back and laugh at the sky. You feel the power in that? Take a deep breath into. In fact, let's just close our eyes for a moment and just think about anything that might be challenging in your life and what happens in this moment if you give up resistance to it, if you embrace it, knowing that something, some greater love, freedom, joy it's going to come out of this, even if you don't know what it is. And in this moment, you embrace it and give thanks for it and be in gratitude for it because gratitude is the magnet that brings us anything, everything we could possibly want. Embrace everything, every challenge. And it shifts. It instantly shifts, doesn't it?
once I embrace it, once I simply give up the resistance and, I, and feel and know that I am creating a channel now, an open channel for spirit to just flood into my life, you can open your eyes when you're ready. All right, I'm going to finish with, um, I'll tell you just something quick, briefly about the workshop we're doing this afternoon. So it's called Busting Loose from the Money Game, uh, based on the, on the book. And it really is about getting out of our heads about what we think is possible. Moving beyond the world of logic. Sometimes in the workshop, it starts to get a little fuzzy and a little bit even confusing because... Um, you know, we, we don't have that logical stuff to hold on to. But that logical stuff is what holds this limited experience in place. So, it's, so we dissolve that and we go to a place where all things are possible, where we're no longer sure of what is in terms of reality. So to drive that home, I'm going to um, give you a quote from the book. Two quotes from the book. This goes back to attachment. I want to throw this out here really quickly. When you get to the place uh, in consciousness, when you realize it's no better to have a million dollars than it is to owe a million dollars, then you will have the consciousness that can create whatever you want with a snap of your fingers. What he also says then, and I'm paraphrasing and exaggerating a little bit, is who you are is an omnipotent, infinite, magnificent being. That no power that you've ever, no concept of power you've ever heard of comes anywhere close to the power that you have available to you. That if you took all the power available to mankind, the electricity, the nuclear power plants, the bombs, the rockets, gathered that together with all the power of Mother Earth, the hurricanes, the volcanoes, the earthquakes, gathered all that together and magnified it a billion times that would be a speck compared to the power available to you, to each one of us, as infinite, omnipotent expressions of spirit. When I say that, I see heads nodding, even though it's completely illogical. But when we hear it, we cannot help but resonate with the truth. As crazy as the maths may sound, in our hearts, we know it's true, Yes? So my wish would be that everyone here could come to the, to the workshop because we are going to, together, it's not about me presenting this workshop, it's about the energy that we create together, we are going to manifest a consciousness that is that powerful. We're going to realize our full potential. So if you don't have plans, please join us, you'll be glad you did. If you do have plans, change them. And if you can't change them, sign up on my mailing list next time I'm in the area you'll get a notification. So the last thing I want to say is the most important thing that we can do, the most important spiritual practice is to love ourselves unconditionally. It occurred to me recently in talking with a client of mine about self-love because that's the most important thing to focus on, um, that when I love myself unconditionally, then I realize that I'm not myself. I am in fact the self. I am in fact pure love, pure power, pure truth. That's who we are. I love you guys. Thank you for having me here.